This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Jeteris here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, as always, my buddy, my co-host, pal, the man, plan, the one and only, the one and only, John Malika. But before we ask John how he is doing, everyone, you know the drill. If you listen to this podcast and you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe. We're on all audio listening platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us that five-star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment. We're also partnered with Minute Media and Fansided. So if you want to go over to the Daily Knicks and the Jet Press, you can find this podcast over there too. And if you are lucky enough and the actual Fansided main page writes about one of those two teams, you will find us there too. We're also on YouTube. Knicks, Jets, ETC, period. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. When you watch a video, hit the like button, leave a comment, add to the conversation. We want to know your thoughts and opinions on whatever we talk about. We got another podcast, too, Winning Picks Weekly. John, video producer Greg, and our guy, Chip Murphy, co-host Chip Murphy, too. They go through everything, NBA, NFL, PGA, MLB. You name it. You, it's, if it's a sport, these guys are going to bet on it, all right? And if you need to know, if you need that info because you want to put money down on the line, Make sure to go check these guys out, but make sure to bet responsibly. And then last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you name it. We are there. Now, with that being said, John, how you doing, bro? How you feeling today? Dude, I am fantastic. We got the 6-2 Rangers win yesterday. Easy dub. Game one. I mean, between game seven and game one, Thank God for these New York Rangers, man. It's It's been amazing, like non-stressful game seven and game one. Now we've beaten the Lightning four times this year, 4-0. I just, I like where it's heading, man. Uh, I'm excited for this Oilers game tonight. I'm excited for the NBA Finals. I'm hyped about the Yankees. Another dub today, and then they're playing the doubleheader. You see you wearing your shirt today, your boy Gilardi. Yes, sir. I mean, everything's looking good, man. Even the Mets, dude, 10 and a half games. It's, it's, I mean, they got the Dodgers coming in. I'm, I'm smelling a sweep coming. But uh, other than that, dude, everything's fantastic. The vibes are great. How you, how you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm uh, in a little pain, as as <laughs> I told you and our and our wonderful guest today. We'll we'll get to him in a second. My back is killing me, man. I'm getting old. <laughs> Apparently, 33 doesn't give you any any roses and sunshine. It, it just gives you pain. Woke up, get out of bed. I'm just like, oh, my back. So every time I laugh there's probably going to be a little bit of pain in my face. So for anyone who's watching on YouTube who gets some sort of sick pleasure of seeing someone in pain, make sure to go turn turn there. But other than that, man, it's a good day. Yankees won, as you talked about. We got the NBA Finals. Rangers had a great win yesterday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, the, the, playing the kids, man. They're playing the kids. Something that's been echoed throughout the New York Knicks. The Rangers are playing the kids. And the and these guys yeah. are doing it. They're competing. If it's Rangers, if it's Rangers in five, and I'm there for Game Five of the Garden, I'm going to lose my mind. So for God's sake, like I don't even know if I can handle that. <laughs> so I think I might go to Central Park on Sunday, 
it's going to be a wild week, man. I'm really excited for this series. And we have the NBA Finals. That's like that's like that's like on the that's like on the back burner here. Man, there's a lot going on right now. This is a good time for sports, but I can't hold this guy off to the side any longer. Returning guest once again, friend of the pod, awesome guest. We got Corey Tulliba, aka NBA Draft. Dude, you can go find that YouTube channel and founder, curator of Vibes, curator of Vibes for the No Ceilings <laughs> NBA uh, org. Man, the 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 wonderful freaking newsletter. Like I, I honestly, like you guys do a phenomenal job over at No No Ceilings. I love the Knicks article that came out and just getting the roundtable idea of what the Knicks need. Loved it. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here, man. That's why we're here. But before we get into what the Knicks need, we got some, I don't know if it's breaking news, a little bit of breaking news, but before I get to that, actually, Corey, how are you doing, man? How, how, how are you feeling today? Man, it's a good day. Beautiful day. You know, the no ceilings crew. We had our biggest day um, yet yesterday as, as we launched our draft guide and, um, in our merch store. So the, I mean, it's just been awesome where the, the draft is, is nearing. Uh, I mean, we're at the NBA finals, like once the finals end, you know, whether it's four games or seven, like that's when the draft season, like all of a sudden everybody's focused on it. Uh, there's no more distractions. So trying to gear up for the madness ahead, but it's a good time, man. I like, I'm a New Yorker. I know, I know that, you know, if you've seen me on the show before, you might know I'm a Bulls fan, but I am a Rangers fan as well. So it's a good time, you know, in New York right now. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Who's your baseball team? Who's your baseball team? This is this is the bigger question. Uh, to be completely honest, I grew up a Mets fan, but okay. I, I'm not really a baseball guy. Uh, They're still doing well, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I claim really a baseball team where I'd like get excited. I like, you know, going to baseball games fine, I guess, but... One time, me and me and my buddy, we were like, "Are we gonna?" I, maybe it was like during a lockout season or something. We were like, "Should we get into baseball?" I guess because what else are we gonna do? So we picked teams out of a hat, uh, and we tried that. I got the Mariners. Uh, it didn't last very. It didn't last very long. <laughs> yeah, but they, they did well for a little bit. Right? It was <laughs> early. They had, they had an early hot start, and then it was. Uh, yeah, I you know I was kind of excited when I pulled the Mariners because I was like, "All right, you got like the history of." Griffey and you know like you know from back in the day and and that whole team so uh when I cared about baseball but it didn't last very long I'm not a baseball guy it's a little it's too slow for me I need some I need some action I need some pace you know what I mean and that's why you cover the NBA especially the draft portion because talk about fast pace the draft I feel like is the fastest pace of it all man like there's so many kids there's so many options for teams teams want to know who to who they should be gearing gearing towards but like I said before we get into that we got we got we got to discuss this is Rick Brunson news. And I feel like, Corey, every time you come on the show, we get some sort of Knicks news <laughs> that you got to help us break down, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> so we got the New York Knicks uh, are finalizing a deal with uh, Rick Brunson, who has who has ties to Tom Thibodeau when Tom Thibodeau was the assistant coach here back in the, in the, the late 90s. And Rick Brunson had two stints with the Knicks. As we know, that was Leon Rose's first client uh, with CAA. So a lot of ties right there. The Knicks are... are you know, according to reports, are interested in his son, Jalen Brunson, who Jalen Brunson uh, also said that Rick is nowhere near a player that he is. So that's out there, <laughs> which I find <laughs> hilarious. So what do you guys think, man? Is this is this the is this the Knicks trying to solidify getting Jalen Brunson or is this just a normal move? And 
Corey, I know you live in New York. You got a lot of Knicks fans, even though you're a Bulls fan. Yeah. I know you're still up to date with all the Knicks news. So I'm going to yeah. go with you first. What, what do you think of this type of move? I mean, it's definitely a, a chestnut checkers type move from the organization. I think it's savvy. Whether it leads to, you know, Jalen signing with the Knicks or not, who knows? But at the end of the day, even if that's not the case, like Brunson is a guy who has been with Thibodeau, as you mentioned, for years and years on end, like coaching staffs. I think he was with him in Minnesota and Chicago at times. Um, so he's, there's a familiar, familiar, I'm not even going to attempt to say that word. So I'm it's all good. I feel <laughs> he's like familiar. It's he's familiar. Uh, they're familiar with each other. Um, and if it leads to, you know, if they're doing a little college, let the uncle be the third assistant coach on the bench move and it works, then great. Right. But at the end of the day, it's probably going to rely more so on is Dallas willing to back up the Brinks truck and, you know, pay Jalen what he feels he's worth. And if they do, it's a hard situation to leave. But I mean, the allure of New York is always there. It's there. It is there. <laughs> We've been living <laughs> off that allure for a very long time. And yet has attracted, uh, well, it did attract Melo, but after Melo is Emmanuel Moutier. Uh, I'm not going to put it on the list. I'm focused But yeah, I mean, as a, as an assistant coach, he was an assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets back in 2007. 09 to 2010, uh, the Hartford, a Hartford assistant coach for college, Chicago Bulls. He was there too in 2010 to 2012, uh, with the Bobcats. When the times in, were good. <laughs> when the times were good. <laughs> Bulls, Knicks fans, we got a lot of things in common, although you guys made the playoffs this season. Uh, 2012, 2013 with the Bobcats, 2016, 2018 with the Timberwolves, now at Camden High School, you know, didn't, uh, has had, I'd say like a steady assistant coaching gig even though he's been in and out of the nba you know meh as a player but john what, what do you think about uh the rick brunson signing so i mean it, i i think you guys you know pretty much covered it in in a nutshell by itself i think it's a fine signing uh bringing back the old vibes he's you know taking over kenny Payne's spot he's just you know he's just got to fit in I, I can't imagine you know that you have too much of a you know a huge role as an assistant in a Thibodeau you know, kind of coaching staff. You guys kind of all just mold to him. You know, you probably just run his stats. When you talk about his son, I mean, I, I agree with Corey. It's definitely a chess-type move. Like, we have nothing to lose here. You know, he's an assistant coach in the league. He's a basketball guy. He played for the Knicks. There's nothing to lose on that front. And, you know, maybe his son will want to come play for his dad, you know, in New York. You know, maybe that's a really cool thing for him. Maybe he'll give up one or $2 million, you know, on, on, on the table for that reason, for Jalen specifically, even without his dad, there's so much smoke about how Dallas is going to pay anything for him. I just, I would love to see it. Honestly, I would love to see Dallas max out, you know, the super max with Luca and then give Jalen Brunson 30 million, you know, $25 million a year. I would love to see how that works out for them. I just, I cannot imagine <laughs> that that's really what they're going to do because I mean, three guards for them didn't work. Two guards for them. Like, that's not what Luca needs. He needs different kind of players, not really people who want the ball in his hand. He's a, such a high-usage player. So I, it feels like Cuban is just running up the score like so that someone could just outpay for him and he doesn't have to, you know, kind of bear the brunt of, you know, losing a good player to the fan base. Because, like, you just had the KP trade, right? Now we're going to lose Brunson, you know, and all you have to show for it is, you know, you did a really good Luca trade, but... That's pretty much it. So I, I don't know. 
I, I, there's been so much smoke about this whole Leon Rose thing with Brunson. I, I just have this feeling that Brunson's coming. So that, you know, it has nothing to do with his dad. I just, it just feels like an easy fix here because as we know, the salary cap is rising. Fred Van Fle- it just feels like the, the Fred Van Fleet situation. We all didn't want it. We all sat here. We didn't want to pay him. It was going to be too much money. And just one and a half years later, two years later, where he honestly hasn't done cra- anything crazy. We're like, damn, that's such a cheap contract. I wish we had that Fred Fleet. You know what I mean? So I just feel like it's going to be the same exact boat in two years. So we'll see how that goes. I feel you. I feel you on that. And that's a good point that you brought up by uh, him, you know, trying to raise Brunson's value, have someone overpay and then be like, oh, well, you know, that was a little too rich for my blood. You know, I feel like that's kind of what the Knicks did with Jeremy Lin. It's like, yeah, go out there, go, go see. And then you see him get like, oh, I forgot what that, I forget what that contract was. Why do I feel like it was like 15 annual? I'm like, I think 15. it was front lo- I think it was one of those front loaded deals like Maury because because Maury got uh, the Bulls with that too with Omar Sheik. He mm. like it, for whatever the con- the way the contract works because they were like you know uh, Lynn wasn't like a draft pick or whatever and like I think Sheik was a, a second round pick. There he was able to structure it so the restricted free agency was like you could front ro- load it at fifteen million and then it like goes down outrageously in years two and three but it's like that first initial cap hit screws like the the teams or whatever it was it like because the i think the teams are probably in like the tax i don't know he's a smart guy that that Maury. <laughs> yeah he is. I, I, I think i think it was something like that because when i saw it, i was like that's a little too rich for the next one and especially with you have amare you have mellow yeah, Tyson yeah. Chandler. You, you, there were guys that were signed. So, and and at the time, like now, you say fifteen million, it doesn't sound like much, but at the time, the salary cap wasn't what it is now. So that fifteen exactly. million was actually more like you know twenty something million in comparison. So that that's one of the things with it too. And I feel like and I know we're really going off the rails right here, but I feel like that's what some fans still remember. It's like ten million, fifteen a million. It's like that's relatively. Yeah, percentage of the cap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Percentage of the cap is, is what matters. But can we just stick yes. with the rumors for one second? And we're gonna shift here to the NBA draft. Like, what do you guys think of the of these Ivy rumors? Right now we're trading Randall, a pick, as you know, Grimes, maybe just all these things for you know for, for Ivy. Like, what what do you what are you guys' thoughts on that? There's rumors galore here. Yeah, I mean, I the rumors I saw was like Randall and eleven for four and like Harrison Barnes or something. Yeah. yeah and there's, there's, a, there's, a third, there's a third, there's a third team uh, involved as well. There's yeah. A, and I was like, why would Sacramento do that? Like I would rather have both the fourth pick and Harrison Barnes. Than, yeah. Like I'd rather have yeah. Harrison Barnes and Randall and the fourth pick overall. Like, so it was weird, but like, you know, if you watched the like draft special that ESPN did, um, I don't remember who it was that actually said it, but it was Gavoni, Pelton, and Bobby Marks. And they were like, give me your, you know, crazy take. And even one of them was like, the Knicks are going to, we'll trade up to four to, to get Jaden Ivey. Yeah, so. so, I mean, there's a little smoke out there. I haven't heard anything definitive, like from my, you know, sources who are telling me stuff about there being legitimacy to it. But that doesn't mean that there's not any rumors. And, Obviously, the CAA thing, the Knicks were at his pro day recently. You know, you got Leon in the background getting snapped up. So, I mean, I, of course, 
I'd, I'd imagine every team that was there is probably like, how do we trade up to get this kid? Because Jaden Ivey's really good. But it's going to be hard. I mean, that's a big time jump to get from 11 to four without giving up like massive future capital plus, you know, a really good player. So, right. No, and that's the thing, right? And like, even speaking of that, it was, was it Leon Rose sitting next to uh, some of the Kings front office members watching Ivy's uh, pro day? And you're like, Ooh, this is no, this, we should take, we should take note of this. And then you have, you know, the, they, the, the interview that you're talking about where the wildest take is Nick's moving up to four. And it's not, it's not like we haven't heard this before. Like we heard this two years ago where they wanted to move up for Obi Toppin. We heard this last year where they were trying to move up to get guys like Trey Murphy and so forth so they can get in position. And then it's just, once again, you know, you're starting to hear the, you know, the, you're starting to get the smoke of like, oh, the Knicks want to trade up. It's like they do want to trade, like they do want to trade up, but it's all about what's, what are they willing to part with in order to trade up and having a trade. It's not, I think that t- three team trade that was circling around is, it, it was Sacramento, Portland, and the Knicks. Somehow Josh Hart, uh, Harrison Barnes and, and Julius Randle are all involved and the Knicks come out with, uh, Harrison Barnes <laughs> and, the uh, and the first round pick, I'm like, what, what, what's, who, how does this even work? It's, it's you know, just, it sounds fantastic for us. We that'd be great. Sounds great. Yeah. Arms and the fourth <laughs> pick. Like, do, do you guys think from like, just from the Knicks perspective of just the player, like, do you think Ivy solves the problems of the Knicks? Like if, you know, just in general. Uh, he's certainly, he, I don't know if he solves the problem, but he's definitely part of the solution. Uh, like a big part of the solution. So I, I mean, like Jaden Ivey is not going to make, I, I, let's, let's say like, uh, you know, Mitch is still there. I, I don't know uh, who else is like a one position guy. Like it, he's not going to fix the problem that the Knicks still have a lot of like guys who only play one spot. Like if Randall's like still Obi there, Toppin. Obi Toppin and maybe Obi can play two spots, especially down the road. Like I'm not out on him playing small ball five eventually but he's certainly not ready for it now and he's not going to get the opportunity because the knicks have taj gibson who's going to still play minutes and probably mitchell robinson (laughs) probably as of now nerland's noel so it's like how many minutes are is anybody else going to get at that spot right um but he's not going to solve that issue but if he's going to be your lead player potentially which you know that's his potential uh, or at least be the the co lead with RJ, then yeah, I think he he helps part of it. Um, and then it's on. Then it's the easy part is getting the the guys out on the fringes. And and once you figure out whatever the Randall move is, and if he's part of the Randall deal, I guess that's how assuming you trade up somehow Randall's involved. But if he's not, whatever you figure that out, then you move forward. And it's about getting guys on the fringes to fit that more modern structure to put pieces around Ivy and RJ as your two go-to players. For sure. And you, you said like, he's part of the solution, not the answer, because I still think, I don't think the Knicks need everything. And I want your opinion on this core. Like, I don't think the Knicks mm-hmm. need everything, but I look at this team. I'm like, I don't see the point guard of the future of this team in this draft. I know there's, there's uh, some mock draft saying that we're looking at Williams or Duran, for center if Mitch leaves. But I'm looking at the wings. What what do you think the Knicks uh what do you think the Knicks needs are right now? Because we have, you know, we got quickly, we got RJ, we got Grimes, we got Jericho Sims, we got Obi, uh, we got Cam on the team. Like we got all these young guys. And you know, it, it's 
everyone's still like developing and growing and figuring out their path. No one's really, except for RJ and Mitch, but Mitch is a question mark who solidified a role. Everyone is kind of like TBD. So what do you think the Knicks needs are now? Well, I've I've been saying this all draft cycle for the Knicks. Like I'm a big, the Knicks, and it doesn't have to necessarily be like a wing in particular. I just think they need guys who are going to play multiple positions. Uh, So I think ideally if I crafted somebody in a lab, they would be somebody who could handle point guard duties, but they're like six, seven and they could shoot like that way they could ideally fit next to a guy like quickly in the backcourt. And like, don't, they don't need to initiate every set because you could still give quickly some of those reps, but you know, in a situation like in the playoffs, I mean, honestly, like in the finals right now, are you seeing anybody who you're like, this is the guy that quickly represents that's going to be able to start in a finals game. And hopefully I know this is a Knicks podcast. So I hope the answer isn't, is it Steph Curry? Like, I hope it's not that, like, that's not <laughs> the answer, right? Like, cause Steph's an all time great player and he's still bigger than, than quickly. So like if quickly is ultimately more of like your Jordan pool, which you see how valuable that is. Like who's the guy that's going to be able to play next to him when he's coming in on fire and kind of like still keeping the pace cool is able to play next to Grimes in the backcourt. And then is also able to kind of function off of RJ when RJ, as he continues to like get more on ball reps as a creator, which is something that, I think is going to ultimately be what he is like point guard to me. Like it doesn't, he doesn't have to be a natural point guard. He just has to be able to play multiple positions so he can guard multiple positions. And one day he could be the wing one day. He could be a, a ball handler. And it just is kind of, it doesn't matter what you label him because he could fit wherever up and down the lineup. And maybe he's not even a, a point guard creator necessarily. There's a lot of the wings in this class that I think would fit really well. Some of them are like more two, three, some of them are like more three, four. And either way, I think that's important. Um, the Knicks will still have to figure out how to get those like three, four guys on the court if Randall's there and Obi's there. Because as we said, like those are two guys who are really only playing the four. And then the Knicks only really have guys that are playing the fives. And you're going to want to play, find ways to have your three, four wing play with your small ball fives who are hopefully one day like Obi. So there's stuff to figure out. But I would, I would say, Versatile wings is a must, and this is definitely the draft to to pick that up. So versatile wings, and this is the draft to pick that up. So who? Before I ask you, who are the, the players that are like realistic for the Knicks at eleven? Yeah. Who are those players that you, you you're essentially giving that mold to? Who is that multi positional player that can play either two, three, three, four that fits that exact mold that you're talking about? Like in this draft or just in, the, in, in, in this draft? No, in this draft. Yeah. So, I mean, ideally, I, it's like Dyson Daniels. I was um, thinking Dyson who, Daniels as you're, as you're constructing that yeah. entire. Like, <laughs> ideally, like that's like the, the guy who kind of solves all of the, I mean, not solves, but kind of slithers his way into helping to fix all of the kind of things I feel like the Knicks are mix, uh, missing because he is, you know, almost six, eight in shoes with a six eleven wingspan played point guard for the ignite. Um, probably the best 
perimeter defender in the class. Obviously, like he's big enough that if you need him to, he can guard a four and you could be okay with it. Cause he's like a big dude, but he's also, he moves well enough that he can guard your point guards. And like, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams are upgrading the size of their point guards. Like you're getting many more teams that are looking for that, like Marcus smart uh, type size, which is like six, four, six, five type of deal. Uh, so you can't pick on him in the playoffs. So like he could easily stay with those guys. He could play off the ball. So he's definitely one of those guys. Like he would be the ideal guys. And then you get into like the Matherins, the Johnny Davises, who are more of like your two threes. And then your like three fours are more of like your Tari Eason, Jeremy Sohan type guys. Okay. Okay. Where, where, where does Malachi Brandon fall here? Oh, uh, Branham. Yeah. Branham's more see like I, and I, I should have mentioned, I definitely should have mentioned Branham because I'm a big Branham guy. I think he's in like the, the one, two, like he's, he like, he's a ball handler with good enough passing chops to like be your initiator, but he's also got the shooting chops all over the court in any situation, whether it's off ball or on ball, like, where he could look like Middleton on ball and then off ball. He's just like a sniper. So he's definitely up there on the priority list. Uh, if he's available for the Knicks, in, in my opinion, depending on who else is, you know, still there. And I'd be remiss personally. I, I if I didn't mention Jalen Williams, who I think also kind of falls in that mold uh, as well from Santa Clara, not the the big man from Arkansas who takes a ton of charges. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, the, so like right there, my whole thing with, you know, the rumors that we had for Ivy and jumping into the list of players that could potentially help this team. One of those people are going to fall to 11. You know, yeah, say, sure. they, multiple. We probably. <laughs> exactly. We haven't even mentioned a bunch like, you know, AJ Griffin, you know, we're, right. we're hoping yeah, yeah. for that. There's a couple of players who can make, I would say, as much of a difference as Ivy to this team. And you know what's funny? I, I know that... um Alex, you said you were thinking of Dyson when, when when he was talking. You know who I was thinking of, which makes me so sad? Julius Randle. Like, you're looking for a 6'8 guy with the windspan who can defend and move around, doesn't need the ball in his hand, can pop a shot. Oh, he, he needs the ball in his hand. Out. That's the issue. <laughs> I'm just saying, some, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you can just, like, roll up. I don't know. He, 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 he changed from being a guy who can play in the pick and roll to being the guy who needs the ball in his hand <laughs> yeah. way too much. <laughs> That's yeah, a sad thing. Because in my head, I'm just like, oh, I feel like we have that. Guy. I still, I still buy into Randall. Like, obviously, like he has these years. It almost feels like every other year he comes in and he's like way better. But can't you see in the right circumstance? And maybe it happens down the line, like where Julius Randall is just like, you know what? I'm gonna be Draymond Green who could hit a three point shot. Oh my god. I don't know if he has Draymond's defensive capability, but like being offensively, like, offensively, yeah, offensively in that role sure. where you're like. You know, he could initiate a little bit. You could put him in a short roll and he could just tear For people sure. up. He could make quick decisions, like quick pick and pops instead of this like catch and hold <laughs> stuff that he does too often. Man, the thing, the thing with Randall is that, Corey, he can exactly do all those things. And like we've seen him do it. Yeah. And we've seen him do it at a high level. And even in the year where everyone wanted him gone, his first year as a Nick, it was like, oh, wow, he actually has the capability of giving some nice dimes when he wants to. Yeah. Oh, he actually can make these decisions when he wants to. It's just like something like just like the switch like flips on and off like every season. It's like last this past season was off. The season before that was on. Before that was off. Back in the Pelicans, it was on. It's like, on. dude, you gotta like 
figure this out, man. It, yeah. it, it can't like <laughs> you can't short circuit the beginning of every year, but it's funny, <laughs> man. I feel I, I agree with you. I feel like somewhere down somewhere, whether it's with New York or somewhere else, Randall can be a, a good like third, fourth. Like I think he could be a great fourth option. I think yeah. he can be a solid third option. But getting back on track, so we got we got all the guys that you mentioned. Who are your who are your three most realistic options for the Knicks at eleven right now? I mean, big boards are saying Johnny Davis, AJ Griffin. Uh, Dyson Daniels. If you really want to make me upset, uh, you talk about go getting Mark Williams. Although I do like Mark Williams, I do like the centers. I just don't want to go get a center right now. No, it doesn't make <laughs> sense to use that capital. It doesn't make sense. And but that's something we touched on a couple of days ago on Knicks Fan TV. Facts, we facts. Were, you know, in that stream, like we were like, because I I love Mark Williams. He's tremendous. He's an absolute monster. Like. Seven two in shoes with a seven seven wingspan and a nine nine standing reach. Like he is a giant person. I saw him in person twice. He's very impressive. Jalen Duran is another guy. Like I saw him in person. Like he was doing like windmill dunks like a guard in the mm. layup lines. Like he's another guy that's really impressive. But like, do you need that at, at where the Knicks are when like they're still not going to play over Taj? <laughs> like let's be and if you're trying to win games that honestly probably makes sense. So like there's a weird push pull that Knicks fans would have to live with there. If the Knicks, like if let's say they have a bounce back year, like they're big man, like big centers are one, one of the two hardest positions to come in and find your groove with, because you are essentially the point guard on defense. You have the most responsibility to clean everything up. You need to know where to be at all times. And when you're with a coach who holds you accountable, like Tibbs, and you saw it with Jericho a lot this year, like he would miss a rotation, be late and give something up at the rim, or he would like foul somebody because he rotated over late and he'd get pulled. And like, that's something definitely that I think Knicks fans were upset about. But at the end of the day, like Jericho Sims is a late second round pick. He needs that kind of seasoning in order to grow in, you know, when he's in years like three and four of his career. So he's not just making those same mistakes. And it's frustrating because he's going out there setting hard screens and like being a, a lob threat and like having, you know, good showings. But it's like those little nuances that he needs to figure out. Duran definitely is going to need seasoning on that end. Um, and then Mark Williams may be a little bit more ready, but like even still, you, then you're, you still have Nerlens Noel on the roster. Technically, you still have, uh, you know, whatever is happening with Mitch. So, I mean, I guess in that scenario, you're letting him walk. But, like, you still have a ton of players there. And it doesn't solve the issue of guys who could play multiple positions. Like, that's the same exact yeah. thing. They are only playing one position. What can um, you do that Mo Bamba can't, bro? You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> New York's own Mo Bamba. Harlem's <laughs> own Mo Bamba. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Griffin is realistic. Uh, I just so that's don't. My guy. I, I don't think yeah, he's, he's one. He's one of my guys too. Like a lot of people have uh, kind of soured on him a little bit. Um, that's as great. time has gone on, <laughs> I've been a big AJ guy. Like from before the season started, I loved his high school tape. I look at him, and especially after watching the finals, it's like you're telling me a team picking up top is going to have watched the Eastern Conference Finals and watch Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brown go at it and have a guy who looks exactly like those guys to the way he even moves on the court. And he's not going to go like in the first six or seven picks. Like there's just not a chance in my opinion, six, six, seven foot wingspan, like two twenty of muscle. And like 
people say he lost his athleticism. Like that is a big time overstatement. I think he's just playing more controlled and not trying to wildly jump at every single thing he gets to. Um, so he's a guy that I think like once teams get him in workouts and interviews and stuff like, and plus they have background on him from forever. Cause his dad was, you know, in the NBA for so long. So I, to mm-hmm. me, it's not, unless the Knicks move up, uh, which, you know, obviously certainly possible to me, there's, he's out of the, the question um, and, and always has been. So I would say like Johnny Davis, like he had a workout today with the wizards, I believe, mm-hmm. which that's right in the Knicks range. So right away, you got to definitely take him into consideration as being <laughs> a potential Knicks guy. If he's still on the board, run to the podium and grab him as fast as you can. And I told, again, I said this on the stream, like I will buy a Knicks Jersey with Johnny Davis's name on it. If the Knicks are able to get him, I love that guy. I would love to be able to watch him in New York at the garden in person, to the choir. you know, for the next, however many years I, his mentality is second to none in this draft. He's probably the best two way guard in the draft. Like that dude has an argument with Dyson Daniels to be one of the better perimeter defenders at that spot. He measured really well at the combine, like almost six, six in shoes, great wingspan competitive there's and what what is there not to like like he had such a i I get you you would look if you're just looking at box scores it's you'd be like he's inefficient but like he was the only guy to take shots the only one and he wouldn't be that in new york he would have other people to take those bailout shots from him so right away i think he's gonna be able to kind of come in and contribute and uh I think he can be one of those guys who plays multiple positions because he's strong, because he's long and because he's quick, especially laterally. So I think he can guard point guards. I think he can guard up and guard like threes, you know, fours might be a little tough for him, but he's so competitive that like there are definitely times in college where guys would try to post him up and, you know, he'd try to front them and then he'd slither behind and just like poke away. So like he's, he's scrappy and aggressive. So while it's not something that you want happening often, like you're not going to be like, Hey, go guard Kawhi. Who's playing the four tonight. Uh, if he gets switched, it's like he'll battle. Uh, but I think he would be like home run uh, if that was the pick. I think that was the pick on the stream we did in the mock draft. Yep. I'm a big like Ochai Baji guy, uh, mm. which is not like the sexiest name yeah. to hear. But uh, I watched him light the garden up at the start of the basketball season <laughs> when they took on Michigan State. Like he absolutely did whatever he wanted. He's a guy that is again, like he's a tremendous athlete. He, he gets like a ton of those, like, uh, what Tibbs would do. Tibbs would do the Jimmy Butler play where they run like a horn set, uh, kick it to like, you know, one of the, uh, bigs on the left block, have the other big set, like a blind screen for him and just get like an alley-oop like that. That would be the start to every game because he's got that kind of crazy bounce. Uh, he shoots it in a multiple, like variety of ways. He's not just a spot up guy. He shoots it off movement. He runs around. He doesn't need the ball in his hands, but he's developed that part of his game a little bit to where he could take some dribbles and, and get to a shot. And he's a winner guy won a national championship. And one of my things like is winning a skill because there are certain guys who just win a lot. Right. Yeah. And like, maybe they're not the flashiest. Yeah, like, man, we can't close games like that's what that's what winning is. Like, that's why winning is a skill, because when whether you're up by a lot and you're trying to hold the other team or you're down by a lot and you got to rally like winning is a skill. It, it's hard to quantify, 
I think that's sure. why people look up advanced, you know, stats and analytics to try to quantify winning, right? Even now we got plus minus and efficiency to try to, you know, equate to it. We even have clutch stats, right? right. <laughs> to try to, you know, people are trying. <laughs> but it's, it's very it's difficult. Just something, it's just winning. You're right. Like there's something about certain players that you're just like, man, this guy wins. Like, you know, I know it's a different sport, like for but for example, in football, it's a lot more common where like players go into the NFL and never lost a game, like since junior high. Like Cam Newton didn't lose a football game until he got, you know, and then he was like when they asked him in Carolina, he, like lost, he's like, I don't know really what to do here. <laughs> I haven't like lost the game like since I was a child. So I, I agree with you. I think there is something about, you know, players' characteristics. Because think-, think about Go ahead, Alex. No, I think like the best example is who you mentioned at the top of this pod is Jimmy Butler, right? Mm-hmm. That's a guy who legit stats don't really like do him justice. Like we could look at threes, like his three point shooting, and it's abysmal this season. But yeah, yet the they were, right they, yeah, but they, but <laughs> yet they were the best team, right, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and, and look how far they went. And there's just something to like being gritty to want to fight, always compete, and not and just like even if you're behind the eight ball, like. Nah, we're we're not giving up. It's just uh, you guys said it's just so hard to quantify. There's just some sort of like aura, some sort of energy that these guys just have, and they're just able to like channel it and just focus so hard to like really achieve their goals. I don't know. I don't know how it is. How it's how you can like describe it other than that. I but it's like in the draft world. Like I don't know why, but people consistently like hate on these type of players. It's like you can't take them too early or whatever. And then you look at like the list and it, I don't think the NBA is necessarily the same way. I think that they are a little bit because you're not seeing these guys typically go like in the top three or the top five. Mm-hmm. Right. But like when they go in the lottery, people like kind of freak out. Like uh, last year, everybody was like, wait, you're telling me that you're going to take Davion Mitchell over J- uh, Jaden Springer. And like Jaden Springer played like six minute NBA minutes last year and spent the entire year in the G league. And now he's going to go into his second year, which would be his junior year. Maybe he gets minutes for the Sixers. Probably not. So by the time he actually gets NBA minutes, he's going to be deep into his NBA contract, almost up for a new contract. And he's going to be the same age as the guy who was ready made. And like Davion went where he should have gone last year. Like that was the appropriate spot for him. If you, Look at the way he ended the season. Like that was the right spot. People freaked out with Cam Johnson when he went high, myself included, right? That was a shock. I can't believe people are, why would you take him now when you could take him later? Cam Johnson was a huge part of what Phoenix has built. Mikhail Bridges, right? Like, and I, that's a sore subject, not only for Knicks fans, for Bulls fans as well, because that was the guy I wanted. So I was like, Michael Porter Jr.'s back is jacked up. If he falls to those spots, it's because his back is jacked up. Otherwise, he's a top three pick. So I want Mikhail Bridges. He won multiple titles at Villanova. Like, go get the guy who is a wing, a three and D guy, no nonsense, and just wins a lot. And the Knicks passed, the Bulls passed. Neither of those guys are on our teams anymore. Um, and <laughs> the Sixers passed. And if he was on the Sixers, I mean, are is their future? Maybe they they're in a they have a finals berth. Maybe like it's it could be way different. They took a kid who jumped really high and, you know, unfortunately he had some like health stuff, but like, he just wasn't a good basketball player, but like Mikael Bridges won these guys who win like that matters. These guys have success in the league. These guys were winning championships. Jalen Brunson, you know, this is a guy you yep. look at, at 
everything about him. And you're like, he should not succeed, right? He should not succeed. He's short. He's kind of slow. He's like a pretty good shooter. I mean, his dad was he, in the NBA, probably just here because his dad. Yeah, like he's got everything. But he rides he, the Villanova train. Like, I but he knows how to win. He, just he knows yeah. he knows how to win. So I think one. winning's a skill. And like Ochai Baji is a guy who you don't get excited about the night you draft him as a like overall fan base, but you <laughs> fall in love with him. You know, like even Taj. Like when the Bulls drafted Taj, and that was in the twenties. Like. I people wanted uh, I think it was like Marshawn Brooks or like other guys oh that were God, younger Marshawn Brooks yeah like that and I can't believe we passed on the for for this guy who's 24 years old coming in it's just like these guys are that are good valuable NBA players matter they help you build on the fringes and that's what Memphis has done and that's why they're so successful building around their star because they have so much depth to supplant like the fact that when he's not there, they could still win games and like just take some of the load off of his shoulders that he doesn't have to do everything. So I think winning's a skill. I think Abaji would be a great get for the Knicks, even if some people might think it's like a little rich at eleven. Okay, okay, because what? what well, he's projected what to go around thirteen, yeah, it's not, fourteen. It's not, yeah, so... it's not like crazy, but like I, it's again, he's just not sexy in the same way some other guys would be. Like his draft stock has, you know, because one of the things I do for no ceilings, I track the draft stock of players from the start of the season to the end of the season. His draft stock after he won a national title literally went down like on the major outlets. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) How do you, how do you win? And then you drop. It's like, ah, well, you know, (laughs) it it, it goes to everyone who wins. It goes to the system, right? Like for example, exactly. Everybody that comes from the Zags, you say, oh, it's because, you know, the system, system, system. And I would say more than 50% of the time, they're actually right. And, you know, that's what stinks at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Because you're watching these college teams. You're like, dude, I, I watched I watch the season. I watched the conference tournaments. I watched, the, you know, the bracket. And they, they, they hold up. And then as soon as they, you know, transfer to the summer league, you're like, dude, this guy is just not. This well, is not going to work out. You well, know what I mean? You can tell in two seconds sometimes. Well, let's talk. Let's, let's look at that for a second. Here we go with another Nick KJE uh, famous tangent. We're, we're we're looking at like you talk about winning, right? And you talk about a system. And if it does work for a college basketball team, more than half the time, what does it say about the player? They're willing to sacrifice, give up whatever, like maybe personal gain for themselves for the betterment of the team. Isn't that also part of winning? Saying like I'm I'm willing to be selfless and, and just make sure that my teammates, the entire the, the entire organization's willing to win. Like that's that's a military character characteristic characteristic of winning that I don't think you can just quantify at all. So when you hear guys, you know, and we even talk about this for like the Jets on our Jets pod, like getting those guys with the right character that come in that are going to put the team first, that are going to put in the work and the effort, that are just you know, it's just the good character guys. If that's what uh was a abaji is that's that's amazing like i wouldn't be upset with that at all and may if and, and look there's there's guys we've drafted guys like that uh, too like we've drafted quentin grimes people are like quentin grimes who's yeah. this deuce mcbride oh my god what's this and then you start hearing the background then you watch them in summer league i'm like oh my god we love these guys it's like the name doesn't have to be sexy draft night like as much as i would love johnny davis Corey selling me on on abaji right now and i'm like all right abaji is a cool a cool option so who who's the third option though, Corey? Who's the third one that you got on deck? Um, I could go with like Matherin, but there's I, I have a feeling he goes earlier as well. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with a little wild card just because uh, I I absolutely love this dude. I have him top 10 on my personal board. Uh, it's Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Okay. Uh, okay. He's not a guy that a lot of people know about or kind of knew about prior to this month because he played at Santa Clara. And one, like, you know, for us New Yorkers, like where early we were talking about like, yeah, the, the game starts at nine. The, the NBA finals start at yeah. nine. Like that sucks. <laughs> and so imagine watching like game 15 of Santa Clara in the West coast conference. Like there's yeah. no way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so the general public isn't going to be hot on a guy like this, but this dude is a baller, man. Uh, he like, just to, to start it out, like my two comps for him are either like a, has his head on his shoulders, Kevin Porter Jr., or like a slightly less bursty uh, SGA. Like those, that's the type of guy he is. He is just a smooth operator. I think he's the best pick and roll player in the class. Um, six six seven two and a half wingspan uh, was had one of the best vertical leaps at the combine, and at the combine was really where like he kind of. I mean, you still have to be pretty into like the draft to be paying attention to the NBA draft combine. Uh, but it's a little more popular than like what he's doing in, you know, January or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he kind of had like a coming out party there. Cause he just absolutely killed it. He killed it in the scrimmages. He killed it in drills and in all the measurements or whatever. So I think that as a guy who has the wingspan and the size to guard up and down ran point guard for his team and is unbelievably creative passer, unbelievably smart player, doesn't hold the ball too long, like in transition, he hits ahead early. Uh, and then in the pick and roll, like it's really hard to guard him because if you go under the screen, he's going to knock down the three. He's got good range. He shot 40% for three this year. And when you go over, he's he plays with such an impressive pace. Like he's that guy who gets you on his back snakes the screen and then now the big man is having to guard the two you know guys at the same time playing that cat and mouse game and it's like he's got the mid-range like a mid-range killer to make you pay there and then if you if you overplay it he's got the lob threat which like for the Knicks like he would be great playing in that pick and roll with Mitch with uh, a guy like Obi with a guy like Nerlens Noel Uh, and then he can make all those advanced reads to the weak side uh, I mean, there there are a couple of like specific instances where that you're just like, oh my god, like that was unbelievable pass, like one handed, uh, left handed live dribble, like cross court whip in traffic, <laughs> like wrap around. Like he's so much really fun. A guy, huh? He's I can so see much that. fun, man. It, it, this is this is Corey's guy for sure. And, I feel you know, like he's been defending him for weeks at this point. <laughs> I, I, my two guys are him and Ryan Rollins. Those are my two like teams are sleeping on these kids and like kind of similar, but Jalen Williams, he's got a little bit more size, so it's easier to see it. Um, but he's just, I, I love how he approaches the game's mentality, his IQ. If the Knicks drafted him, everyone would be like, who the hell is Jalen Williams? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> but I'm telling you, like this kid is a baller, like a, uh, like a uh, general manager who I, I've, I've spoken with, has like told me like this is a guy I've had my eye on for a couple of years. Like like he's kind of a secret, but like not really. Like he's he's yeah. he's on the radar, but he's not like priority on the radar. But people are like, 
this is a guy who I've I've actually been like watching like pretty. Well, that's how I feel. That's how I feel about Dyson that we mentioned earlier. I honestly, I feel like, I feel like that way about uh, Branham. Like everybody, mm-hmm. and no, like I think he's just come, he just uh, I think he's doing pretty well uh, now in the off season. So I think his name's coming up. But I feel like nobody's talked about him all year. You know, shout out to Ohio State. But as soon as you said a guy that nobody's talking about, um, the first name that came out to me was I know it's not a first round pick, more towards the second round. But honestly, that's where the Knicks been hitting. The Knicks been hitting uh, in the sure. second round, and it's Grimes is a uh, co MVP right from last year. Uh, Marcus Camby's uh, godson uh, Etienne. Like oh, I like him. I, have, do, you got, do you have any notes on those two guys? I mean, on Tyson start- Etienne, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you started off the show calling the finals uh, a distraction to the NBA draft. So I feel like he's one of those guys. Like, I, I think it was the first game of the season. Uh, he was one of the guys on my watch list that I was really intently watching. Uh, he literally hit like a game winner from the logo as yeah. like a regular pull up shot. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what that's he got on the map. That's like, how he got on the map. Like, he is the guy who has like that shifty, like, wildly impressive space creation ability crazy range jacks up a ton of threes but like his big thing and that was one of the reasons like i liked him kind of as a sleeper in last year's draft um but when he went back i was like all right can he start finishing around the hoop better can he develop like a floater like he's just wildly inefficient at the college level and like he really didn't improve on that stuff this year but he does have a game that is much more tailored towards like the NBA yeah. than college it's basketball. Weird. It, it's it weird. is weird. Some of these guys just stylistically, like you could envision them operating in space differently. Like he's a good athlete. He's stocky. Like it would not surprise me if he went like early in the second round. Cause I just think he does like when I, sometimes when I look at those kinds of second round players, it's like, can, does this person have, an elite skill. I, it's either like, are they like a super skilled jack of all trades wing, or do they have like an elite skill? And like, he has an elite skill as a shot maker. It's just about a team going, can I hone this into a point where he can consistently be a guy who is impressing with his shot making? But he kind of reminds me of like Terry Rozier a little bit. And, mm. um, you know, uh, Terry Rozier was a definitely a higher level prospect just because he had some of the other stuff, but that's like who he reminds me of that'd be nice in the second round a little, I, little iq action i mean that I would like be a- they would they would that would be like a light the garden on fire like if both of those guys are playing and they had they're both going off like deafening in the garden oh my god now nah, we'll keep that one in the back burner keep that one his he's probably got one of the better highlight reels because of how insane he is as a shot maker like his full game tape probably isn't as impressive as other players, but he's definitely one of those guys who like you put the mixtape on highlights. Like, what are All we right. doing? It's actually funny. Like, <laughs> we're doing, uh, I was supposed to do it this week, but my buddy who I'm doing it with, uh, got COVID. So he's like the day we were supposed to record. He's like, I feel terrible. I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my idea was <laughs> to have him on my draft show as a guy who doesn't follow the draft all year <laughs> okay. round. I sent him the top 10 guys in no particular order. And I was like, just go watch whatever you want to watch on YouTube. That isn't a full game because that's how a lot of people approach the draft. And I want to see what his opinion on some of these guys and the, the, the order that he would order them in as somebody who isn't like 
maybe overthinking some of the aspects of the game. Cause I do think I'm, I'm going to be the weird guy who follows the draft so intently basically only watches like I don't like go to synergy clips or like I've never used synergy like I go watch full games but I'm gonna be the weird guy that says sometimes there's something to watching the highlights and not overthinking basketball because it's basketball and like there are certain things like you can watch the way a dude moves on the floor and be like he looks exactly like a basketball player is supposed to move now sometimes you get a Kevin Knox when you watch a highlight tape and right and you're like that's so that's why you have to watch the full games. But there's something to just not overthinking it and being like, this dude looks like he could really hoop. So I, I'm interested to see like how accurate he kind of gets to the perceptions. It's it's something that I think is gonna be a kind of a fun wrinkle. Well, I think like to that point, right? Like there is a term there is the term getting lost in the sauce. And sometimes we get <laughs> even when we analyze teams, we get a little lost in the sauce. I'm like, what do we actually need? I love those images of uh I forget where, where it's from, but like you have one guy who's looking at rocks and he looks depressed. One guy looking at the sun and like the the, the field of trees and he looks happy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like someone's like, but the like the guy looking at the walls like, but the advanced analytics and he looks depressed. Is like it doesn't say that he's a good player. And then you have the guy looking out into the field is like that boy, nice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, sometimes you just need to be like that. Um, but then it's all Grimes, by the way. I feel like Grimes, you have to watch a full game instead of the highlights because like I feel like if you watch Grimes highlights, it'd be like whatever. But if you watch Grimes. He's always in the right position, and he get you know he the way he fights over the screens like that's not going to be in the highlight tape. So I, I I've kind of you know I've kind of been pushing a little bit the other way on that narrative just a little bit when it comes to basketball because I just feel like you could tell so fast like you could just tell in two seconds Kevin Knox was not that guy. I'm sorry I I feel like we're just ragging on him now, but like you just see him and he's just hanging out. He's hiding in the corner like you can't hide in the corner and play mediocre defense it just doesn't work yeah so but so much of so much of Knox is his mentality that's you know and and the way that he approaches things because if he was just like a little if he had like a, a a mental toughness to him even if he didn't turn out to be like a guy who was worthy of being a top 10 pick he would still be a rotational player just based off all of the the, the tools that he has but I agree with you 100 you should not scout players and only watch the highlights I just think sometimes you could look at a way a guy moves on the court and be like, all right, like this dude plays basketball. Like he's not going through progressions in his head. Like he's one-on-one with a trainer. Like he's a natural out there. You watch for like the nuance and see like, okay, but can he actually play in an NBA game now? Like now you figure that out. Like he could, he passed the first barrier of entry. Um, but you, but what's interesting about uh, Grimes is like, I bet if you go back and watch his high school mixtape, like he looks crazy. Like he was a, a guy who came in when he was going to Kansas, like he was supposed to be a top 10 pick. So like he has that pedigree to him. It just took him a couple of years to kind of figure it out. But I think when we look back, like Grimes is going to be one of the better players in his draft. And obviously like it's a, it's a legendary draft. So I mean, like he's going to be one of the guys. Now? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. He's going to, I hope go. so. Go. I mean, right. <laughs> like I, I've, I don't remember what show I did. I did some show and I was like, oh, I did the Locked On Nick show and they asked me to choose like rank the, the like put a big board for the Knicks players, but like in this current draft. And I had Grimes like above quickly, which, you know, was something that a lot of people vehemently disagree with, but I'm just like, and like maybe if quickly hits his ultimate ceiling, I guess like I see the vision, but like 
that's so rarely the case. And I think Grimes is a guy who is going to be like, you're going to be watching the the finals seven years from now. And maybe it's with the Knicks. Maybe it's not, but he's just going to be a guy that you're like, okay, I know this. He's not getting played off the floor and he's probably going to be better than freaking Max Struess was right. Like, you know, and, <laughs> You're speaking and, my language, bro. No, that's, that's so, but it's a fact. Like when you watch, like I, I understand why people would get upset because, and I understand the sentimental fact factor for like Knicks fans. We finally won like a late first round draft pick. We finally found somebody that contributed, and he was contributing before Obi was, and he's still an important piece of this team. But like when you watch Grimes play, like quickly was known coming into the NBA, like a little streaky when it came to being a shooter. Like that, that was like, that was out there. Grimes is pretty consistent. Even his NBA debut, like shooting wise, pretty solid and consistent. Even defensively, you knew what you were getting like night in and night out. And that's baseline, a role player and being a role player in the NBA, which is most of the NBA to begin with. That's, that's, that's a hit. That's a played win. in the final four. Yeah. Knows how to win. That's a fact. <laughs> Full circle. Fact. And it's funny, but I, I, I'm really interested in that video that you're talking about because I feel like that's a lot of like owners when it comes to basketball. Basketball, like they don't watch any college basketball. I feel like I like obviously I'm like overstating, but once March Madness comes around, they literally go, "That boy's nice," <laughs> and that's who they want on the team. The Vex um, special, yeah. <laughs> Facts. The like Nick that. Stauskas. The Nick Stauskas. <laughs> I like that. But uh, Corb, before we get you out of here. We gotta ask about your Bulls, man. As usual, your your Chicago Bulls, man. Yep. They got a, they got they got they got a pick in the first round this year. Uh, we do eighteen. Uh, yep. They got problems. They got problems with their free agent last year, man. Your boy Lonzo, man. I who know knows what's going on it's, there. It doesn't seem great. Is is what the reports are? <laughs> like the tough. reports are 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 tough because he was uh, so good for us this year. I I've kind of been like a. I've done like a 180 on Lonzo from where he was like in college to where he is now. I mean, he was, he was amazing in college. Like mm-hmm. you look at his number, even his shooting numbers, you're like, Oh my God, like this is unbelievable. He looks like funky, six, seven, ju- funky jumper at, and all, yeah, like, man. It was still nasty. Yeah. It looks and, terrible, but it, it, fall, it used to fall it was, from the logo. Yeah. But I was like very much so like De'Aaron Fox was my guy in that draft. <laughs> the battle like, of Fox. <laughs> yeah. Like Fox De'Aaron Fox. Lonzo. I was like, I, this dude, like, He's going to like, look at his mentality and murder him. And then, you know, with the Lakers, Lonzo really struggled, but then just the work ethic for him to turn his jumper around and become a viable shooter and become a, a completely different player because of it at the NBA level. Um, and to me, like when what's, it's not a surprise that when he went out, the Bulls started struggling. And it's not a surprise that like the Celtics really started turning it on and a little bit beforehand, but like when they got Derek white, Cause these, and that's kind of the appeal with Dyson Daniels as well. Like these big connecting guys who could play up and down and either be your point guard or play off ball. Like they're very important. They lead to winning, especially when they can defend all over the place. So, and in the bulls case, like Caruso also got, you know, tackled in midair by uh, Grayson Allen. Mm -hmm. Um, So that happened all at the same time. So that not surprising. The Bulls started struggling when their two best defenders got hurt, but his knee issues, it's not great right now. And the Bulls have, I think Caruso dude, Caruso is the whole squad. I mean, he's, I can't believe how much I enjoy watching Alex Caruso. (laughs) Like he's definitely the guy that you hate if he's not on your team and he's playing against your team. 
but he is so damn good. He's terrible, a terrible shooter. I not not one shot this entire year did I go. I think he's gonna hit this shot. And like, there's not like <laughs> anything super wrong with his jumper. It's just so stiff that mm-hmm. every time he shoots it, I'm like, I guess the not the percentages say it's got to go in thirty something percent of the time. But like, I never feel confident. <laughs> but he can score zero points and still have like the highest impact impact on the game because he's. I've, he's un, he's like one of the best defenders I've seen on the Bulls like in so so long because he can he has no problem bodying up and guarding like he's a lot like Drew Holiday in the way that like he's probably bigger than you think he is like taller than he is he's strong but when he went down that was rough but because of that I do think that the Bulls could approach the draft looking for another one like Jalen Williams is a guy that I think should be on the Bulls radar. Like for a lot of those same reasons that I would be really happy with. And then the other thing the Bulls need is they need more guys who are like small ball fives, but like modern fours. So like EJ Liddell is a guy that I would love the Bulls to draft the other Ohio state product. Um, He tested really well at the combine and it shows like it was, it was functional athleticism. It was stuff he showed in, in the college, his college season this year uh, as like a shot blocker, and whatnot. And it's interesting because if you watch the film sessions with Mike Schmitz and watch as many of those as you can, if you're in the draft and like there are players in your range, because he breaks down film with them and you learn so much about how players uh, approach the game. And it was the single deciding factor as to why, like last minute I decided to move Io DeSumo up my, my board last year is into a, the first round. And he was a steal for the bulls in the second round. Um, but EJ Liddell blew me away from his interview. He's so smart. Uh, I mean, he's six, seven, seven plus wingspan, really good. Like one step vert leaper, uh, doesn't need the ball in his hands at the next level, but could hit tough shots if you really, really needed him to, but like going to be able to space the floor. And he's like the kind of guy I think the bulls need like that Grant Williams type player, like Paul Millsap, like that kind of dude, like the bulls need that. Uh, Patrick Williams is, you know, hopefully he makes a little bit of jump. He's I think mm-hmm. he's fine right now. Bulls fans kind of love him the way that uh, Knicks fans love Obi. And I mean, not, well, not, well, definitely Obi, but like uh, more like quickly. Cause okay. uh, like <laughs> they look at him as the number four pick. And I think we just they hate love, Randall. They, <laughs> <laughs> well, th- with, with Patrick Williams, they look at him as like, I mean, his nickname is, is the paw. Cause like he looks like Hawaii on the court, but mm-hmm. like, he's just never aggressive enough for me. And like, that was his big thing in Florida state too. Um, that he just was not really aggressive. Like he came off the bench. He did his thing. He's like a robot. And that's part of the Kawhi comparisons, but he's a non-aggressive dude. And sometimes he looks unbelievable. And then other times he just kind of fades. So we need more of that. Um, obviously Mitch took him out earlier in the season and that, oh, led to, my God. you know, part of the, the depth issues for the bulls in the front court, not having him. And that probably hurt his development in year two. But, you know, we'll forgive that. Uh, so hopefully he has a big year three. But I think they could use more guys like him um, in case he isn't this, you know, potential all-star guy that some of the Bulls fans think that, you know, he could be. Bulls Twitter came out with a pitchfork and torches ready to go after <laughs> Mitchell Robinson. Here we go. Here we go. It was just a basketball play, guys. It was just a basketball play. Let's calm down. So. Well, I got one question for you for for the Chicago Bulls because some mock drafts are putting Usman Dang there. How what's your what's your opinion if that's the direction the Bulls went? <laughs> I really like him. Uh okay. Jang is so this kid, it 
if you watch his full games from the beginning of the season, you're like, this kid's probably should stay out of the draft until like 2024. He was terrible. Just all types of bad, just nothing good. Like he would, yeah, he'd flash the interesting things like a possession or two, but he wasn't getting a ton of minutes. He just wasn't good. And then all of a sudden it just clicked. And all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, this is why people thought he was a potential lottery pick um, coming into the year. Cause he's 6'10, he handles the ball like a guard and he passes it like a guard. Like some of the pick and roll reads he makes, the feel, the way, like the timing, the touch is pretty phenomenal. Like it's, it's, I don't even know, like it's, it's elite territory. Some of the reads that he makes that now that doesn't mean he's like potentially going to be like a Luka Doncic type usage guy. He's much more of like a off ball guy. Who's like running like the offense, like coming off like handoffs or like second side pick and roll reads, like not walk the ball up the floor kind of guy, especially early. He's definitely still raw, but he's a good shooter. He's long. Uh, I think he's going to be able to defend like he he's his length definitely, you know, uh, gets in people's way. I think that ultimately, like if he hits a ceiling, you're looking at like uh, Paul George with a little bit less bounce, mm. but maybe a better passer. But you know, it's hard to argue that for a player that's going to hit his ceiling. But like somebody, I, I texted you know somebody uh, you know who works in the league about him when he started coming on. I'm like, dude, like this passing feel, like <laughs> it's crazy. And he's like, if you're a team that is analytics based, you're going to miss on him because you actually have to watch oh. him play. Interesting. Because yeah, there's teams an- like that. Do you think there's teams like that in the NBA right now that are analytical? That are just like would would are so analytical, are so far on one side of the spectrum that they would actually miss. You know, I think players so. like this. Oh, I think so. Because there's there's risk with him for sure. Like that's kind of like Maury with the with the Rockets. Like it was so extreme with three point shooting. That's legit like the contract was to have James Harden just to have open lanes with like a center. Like I feel like that's something like around Maury's field for being so yeah, I mean, analytical. Maury was so analytical that he was like draft picks don't matter at all. And like, I think they picked one draft pick, but for the Rockets when he was uh yeah when James Harden was there, he's like we have like we don't need draft picks. Like the chance there like he probably like his equation was like is this draft pick going to be better than whatever player we are trading the pick for? And most of the time, the answer is probably no, because you have, you already have the results in front of you for the player. You know what kind of what they could do in the league versus like the mystery of uh, of a draft pick. But I do think there are teams that would operate like that, where they would go with the guy who more so like kills in the analytics versus, especially if it's like a comparable situation versus the guy who like is a little bit more raw with potential. There are definitely front offices that I think would be more willing to take the risk. I think OKC is a team that would be more willing to. Um, especially and well, they have, better be what they have all those drafts. They have the so year. many picks, so like they have more shots at it. So like he's a guy that I think is a very realistic target for them at twelve. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there are certain front offices that like would stay away just because because of that. Okay, solid. Interesting, solid. man. That, that I mean, I don't think the Knicks are one of those. So it doesn't scare me too much, but that's scary thought. I don't know. Like that that kind of worries me, but. I mean, nah, talking, I, I ultimately, ultimately, I think like a, a lot of these like front office, like guys, like they come from now, like the, the trend is a lot of them come from these 
analytics background. So that's naturally how they're going to approach it. I think it's who they're going to tend to like surround themselves with. And that doesn't mean that they're not sending out scouts to go watch guys play. Right. Um, but it's a little bit harder to go see Usman Jang play a lot during the year when he's playing for New Zealand versus, you know, Hey, let me go, uh, to Rutgers to go see Johnny Davis play tonight. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. way no easier. No one's watching to- Dyson either because no one's watching G League games. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, for, luckily for him, the G League program is attached to the NBA. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I saw the G League guys on Long Island, which was nice um, at, oh, at, cool. uh, the, at the Coliseum, which was, which was a, a nice, easy drive instead of having to like going to Brooklyn or, you know, hey man, get, on, get, a, get, get I, on the LIRR or something. <laughs> I love going to Westchester Knicks games when I'm home. That is the easiest. <laughs> first of all, one, they're cheap. All right. 50 bucks. Geely games are spend, awesome. Geely games, games are amazing. Are, they are. And like, they really need like more, uh, actually not too much. Yeah. Uh, cause publicity <laughs> because well, you get in the, you get in and out in like efficient time. No, like commercial, not, no, not a lot of commercial breaks, nothing. You get in, you get through the half. 15 minutes, another half finish. 50 bucks, you go to Westchester County, which is like right in my hometown. You, you're sitting courtside. They, they have like, they, they take up to like the, the stage because it's playing in uh, where they have like a lot of the graduations in the area. So like you're legit on the stage and they have like a carving station. Like you just go get like your, your plate full of food and you're like, that's it. Like you, you're eating good and you're sitting down for 50 bucks. <laughs> like you feel like a king, Dude, <laughs> queen the- or whatever. The Long Island. <laughs> I went to a Nets game to see. Uh, They're playing the Windy City Bulls. Windy City Bulls. So I went to see. I wanted to see. Uh, I think Bull Bull was playing because the Nuggets didn't have. They don't have a G League team, so like they send their guys to the Bulls for whatever reason. Uh, and I was right behind. I paid like I think I paid nine dollars for the ticket. I was like three rows behind the bench, and then because there's just not a lot of people there, they selected me as one of the people to take like the half court shot at halftime. Uh, nice. Because they were just like, we need somebody to do this and you're here. Don't tell me you hit it. Don't tell <laughs> you me know? you hit it, Corey. No, I Don't didn't. I didn't. Oh, First of all, oh, no, say, no, no, if no, I didn't no, see no, a no. video of you hitting the half court shot, I'd no, be no, so no. pissed. Yeah. I, no, I would have. I'd If I did that, I would probably like retweet it on Twitter like <laughs> once every two weeks, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, but you know, what they don't tell you about one, I, I was like, I had the right length. I was just off left. Like I, I had, a, it was good touch, good arc. I just missed wide left a little bit by like, you know, uh, probably a basketball width from hitting the rim, but they give you street balls, mm. right? They're not giving you the balls that the players are using the nice soft, you know, uh, Wilson, Spalding, whatever. Yeah. No, it's literally a street ball that has a PSI of like a hundred so Jeez. you need to either completely bank it clean in or get enough arc to have arc it hit it. nothing but yeah. if it hits the rim at all, it's going ten like a hundred feet in the air. Oh yeah. They don't want you to win, man. Come on, no. they don't want you to win. But the prize was courtside seats uh to another game, and I was like, I paid nine dollars for the seats I'm in now. I'm behind the bench. Like, what kind of prize is that? <laughs> like That's I'd rather tough. have can I keep the ball? Instead, <laughs> you don't want that ball. That's why they give you the street ball, so you don't ask for it. <laughs> oh my! That's God. actually that's actually really funny. That's awesome. usually it's like twenty thousand, twenty five thousand something, even to charity. 
They're like, yeah, you can come back here next time. Keep yeah, shooting. You, it's like yeah, family right. feud. <laughs> come back. Come watch the Long Island Nets play uh, the 905 Raptors. You know what <laughs> yes. it is. Oh, man. But, Corey, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, man. It's 851. We got an NBA Finals game that's about to start. Let's go. So, so please let the listeners know where they can find you, although they should know where to find you since you've been the distracting up. NBA Finals, you know, <laughs> distracting Corey from the, <laughs> the draft. Oh, man. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Tulliba, uh, YouTube, NBA Draft Dude, YouTube, No Ceilings TV. Uh, we got a lot of fun streams coming up. I think we're going to do like live scout, like film sesh live. I think we're going to call it where we like break down players' games during a stream, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, at NoSealingsNBA.com, which is where we write every single day, Monday through Friday, about the draft. Uh, you can subscribe to that. That's free. And uh, we just released our draft guide over there on the site that you can um, get through. There's a, you can find the link for the, the merch store. And we released our draft guide, 58 in-depth player breakdowns of our top 58 prospects in the class, uh, as well as a full line of merch, uh, hoodies, T-shirts, snapbacks, flip-flops, shorts, uh, coffee mugs. I don't know. We got a whole bunch of stuff there <laughs> that's really cool. Like straight, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting. The, the love that we got from, from the launch was, was really, really cool. So I appreciate, you know, all the people who do follow me and, uh, you know, helped out with that. That was really, really good stuff. And I mean, it's June 2nd as of when we're recording this. So, Three and a half weeks or so the is when the draft is, or three weeks exactly, I guess. And uh, I mean, it's going to be complete chaos in the draft world until then with all the content we got. So definitely lock in if if you're interested in figuring out uh, who the Knicks should draft and going back and forth probably a hundred times between like eight different guys the Knicks could possibly pick. Oh, well, right. that, there you got it. All what do you got in the series? Sure. What do you got in the series? What do I got in this series? Oh, God. Well, I didn't even ask. you know what's weird? I like basically every player on the Celtics except for Daniel Tice. <laughs> I like their coach. Um, but I'm a guy who roots for the, the name on the front, not the back. And uh, I hate the Celtics. I just cannot root for the franchise. Uh, so I hope I'm, I'm not biased there. I've, I feel like the Warrior. I got the Warriors in six. Um, I just... The Celtics really had two tough series. I mean, I think if they were a little bit more fresh, maybe I could, I'd pick them in seven. But I think they're they've got to be banged up. Smart's been in and out of the lineups. Time Lord's been in and out of the lineups. The Warriors are relatively healthy. Clay's finding his groove, and there's such a different look to any of the teams that the Celtics have played in the playoffs so far. They play such a different style. Chasing the those guards around and running them off screens for you know a seven game series like for a team that's already tired and beat up and like limping to the finish line of a you know two seven game series like I think I'm just the pedigree that the Warriors have I'm gonna go Warriors in six. Yeah. All right, all right, Alex. Well, I have Warriors in seven. I think it's gonna be a battle. I, I think I it's think gonna it's be, a gonna be Celtics in seven. What? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Wow. Defense wins championships, but they've been, the, they've, been the, they've been the best defensive team since January, but and most efficient offensive team as well. I I, I don't know what else to do. Like, I don't know. Like I've been, we've been I've been trying to count them out every single game since the All Star break. I, I promise you. And then once Williams went down, I was like, oh, that's it. It's over. Like we're we're good to go here. Uh, 
game seven, you know, in Miami. Like, you know, this is it. <laughs> just, they're just not going to go away because they're the best defensive team. And, and that's why we'll go seven. All the pieces. It drives that's me nuts. But that, I think it's going to be Boston in seven. I hate it. I, hate, I hope I'm wrong with every fiber in my being. The Warriors can just, play defense, though. Okay. You know, they, can the play, they play defense, too. Like, Dray, I mean, Draymond is, you know, the defender of the generation. Um, it's the finals. Like Clay's not who he used to be, but he could. I, I think he could still. Like he still knows what to do on the court. Curry is underrated. He's not Marcus Smart on that end by any stretch. But it's he's not a guy that like you could consistently pick on. I don't think. Like I think that would be a, a bad strategy. Uh, Wiggins is like for all the the Wiggins. I mean, there's he's getting some love this year. So I don't want to say like he's gotten some love this year. Let's, he's gotten let's some keep, love. Let's, this keep year. It, let's keep it real. He's gotten some love because he he's got, gotten some love this year. But he got he got a lot of. He did get a lot of slander over the last, last over the course years. of his career. He's get, yeah, you know he's got but, a lot of slander, <laughs> but he you know he's kind of the type of guy you would want to like guard like Tatum or Jalen Brown like that mold of guys. So you kind of you know who knows? I mean, obviously, I'm not counting on Kaminga or Moody to give anything, but um, I don't know. I, they just have they've been there before so many times. I think Steph smells it. Like this is my this this is like my ultimate legacy. Like oh. You're gonna say that I don't have. He goes like he goes I didn't win Finals MVP. To top point guard, bro. He goes from top yeah. shooter to top point guard. Four titles. Goes. He gets like a Finals MVP. Uh, finally, nobody could say anything about that anymore. Nobody could be like, "Oh, Durant was there." Even yeah, though, two rings without Durant. He, yeah, even though he won one. Like, and meanwhile, Durant is at the point of his career where he's getting you know smacked by uh, a team in the first round. Like, <laughs> you know. I mean, this is a, a legacy thing for the for the Warriors uh, as much as anything. So, I wouldn't be shocked if the Celtics won. They're a really great team. It's it's not. It wouldn't be a shock if they won. But my thing is that it, it goes to the pedigree of the Warriors, the veteran savviness that they have on the team. You have three, really four guys. I mean, if you even ke- include Kevon Looney, yeah, Draymond, uh, Steph, Quay, like those guys have been there before. The thing with me and the Celtics, man, and I have like legitimately. <laughs> He's in, he's, in the, he's in the zone right now, too. You are legit, in the danger zone. <laughs> I legit have no, like, like I get the whole Boston hate, like, especially when it comes to the Red Sox, the Patriots with me. Celtics, I legit have, like, no gripe with. I mean, they're divisional ri- rivals, but I look at that team, I see such a young squad that has, like, somehow mustered its way to game sevens twice in a row. And it's like, they only get there because there's like a carelessness to them where they're just like turning the ball over or they pull their foot off the pedal when they're up. And they like, they almost blew that game against the heat, like yeah. coming out to the final seconds. Like it's dangerous they almost, stuff. They, they play with fire and they do not make it easy. The warriors smell that and they feast on that. And that, the thing is like, they're the warriors. And this has been the case for 10 years. Like, it's not like, their three point shooters are Duncan Robinson who gets played off the floor. Like their three point shooters, if they throw the ball away for no reason, like, cause you know, what was it? Game two, like they had a thousand turnovers and they were just giving the yep. ball to Miami, like Tatum out of the, making a short roll pass, except he's throwing it to the defender. That's at, you know, waiting to tag at the rim, Legit right? handing it to all yeah, or like, like you do that against the warriors and they just hit five threes in a three minute span. And all of a sudden it's a 20 point game. And you're like, my four turnovers just led to a 20 point swing out of nowhere somehow. Like what hell, what the hell just happened? Yeah. The heat didn't have that. They couldn't put points on the board in a hurry. Like without Middleton, 
Milwaukee couldn't put points on the board in a hurry because they didn't have like the shooters to do it. It was everything in those two series was like, we have to contain Jimmy Butler getting to the rim. We have to contain Giannis getting to the rim, Drew Holiday getting to the rim. And those guys uh, still got their points. <laughs> and they did. They, and they did. But like, there's nobody else to make them pay except for the one guys. Like, the Warriors have multiple avenues to make you pay. Look, even Jordan Poole, he can go get hot. Right. He, he can go get hot. He's so. as much a wild card guy as anybody. So I got the Warriors at seven. Corey's got it in six. John's got the Celtics at seven. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, he says. <laughs> this is just, I don't know if this is you or the gambling side of you. Where it's like, I bet against them too many goddamn times. I got to be right at one of these times. <laughs> I, I actually, I've been betting with them. Unfortunately, like, I, 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 of course, for the series, no, because I'm just like, I hope they lose every series. But man, I just, they're inevitable. They've been inevitable since January. So I'm just, I don't know. It's just what I see. <laughs> well, once again, another KJE fashion. We go off the rails towards the end of the pod. Thank you once again to Corey for coming on. Make sure to go check out No Ceilings. Make sure to go check out the NBA Draft Dude, all right, on YouTube. Go find, yeah. go check out all of his stuff. Make sure to go uh, support No Ceilings. They really do great work over there. Look, if you got Substack, go download the Substack app. Make your life even easier. Get all of your all of your uh, subscriptions in one place. That's what I do to go check out No Ceilings. Hey, buy some merch. Buy some merch. Look, I checked out that that next article. Let me tell you, everyone was when everyone said switchable guys wings. I was like, you're all reading my mind. I love it. <laughs> love it. Someone said center. I was like, what? No, we're not. Doing was that. it Alex? I think it was Alex. Nick's draft. <laughs> I don't think he's. I think. I think he. I think he may have said center, like a big body, but he really just came back around to the wing later on. I was like, thank you for coming back around. Thank you. But on that note, thank you once again for Corey for coming on the show. And everyone, you know what to do if you haven't done so already. Please make sure to subscribe. We're on all audio listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We're there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us that five-star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment. We're also partnered with Fanside and Minute Media, so you can find us on the Jet Press and the Daily Knicks. Also, you can go find us on YouTube, Knicks, comment, Jets, comment, ETC, period. Subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. Hit the like button, leave a comment. While you're over there, we got another podcast, Winning Picks Weekly. John, video producer Greg, co-host and our guy Chip Murphy. They go down every single sport and give you your betting takes. All right, you need to put money down the line. These guys got you covered. And then last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We're there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another next episode of the Knicks, Jets, Etc. podcast. We out. Let's go, Knicks.